Listening to the Full Sport Press podcast, featuring hosts Jay Hove, Chef Wheezy, and Coach Locke. Please enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations. I would like to welcome everybody back and some of you for the first time to the Full Sport Press podcast, the premier sports podcast for the consummate sports fan. And this is your one stop shop for all sports related news and topics. I'm Jay Hove. Wheezy and Bill say, What's up? We said. What's up? What's up? What it do? What it do? What it do? Coach Lock in the TSU jersey. Say what's up, Cam. What's good? What's good, fellas? Glad to be back again. Back in the saddle, Brooklyn. We back in the map. How's everybody? Cool. Coach, that's a, that's a, that's a school issue right there. That's all right, right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that's an actual actual real game jersey. This ain't my personal jersey. I got you. This, you know what I'm saying? This ain't you. my personal one. That, How that, many that one. You get in that jersey? How much would I get in this jersey? Yeah. Hey man, you know it. It could range. It fuck around and be a good night. I might hit six threes. It Ooh. might be a bad night. I might hit one. It just depends, yeah. you know. That one when you hit one, I'm, I'm probably guarding you that night. Ain't no way. Speaking well, of you guard, you got to do a big match. Sure. <laughs> you damn right. I was just about to say. <laughs> Hope said he's coming in town soon. Coming back in town, he got he had some prior engagements this weekend, but next week he's ready to rock. We we come back. He come back in town. Check his temperature. We can go play. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> <Ain't no more. laughs> Episode 325, we are analyzing 10 current NBA players that got better after college. FSP style. Always FSP style. Better damn know it. And you better damn believe it. Let's get off, man. Best of the week. Week to the road. <laughs> best of the week for me, man, was uh, is to hear John Morant, man, say, uh, you know what? I'm here to hoop. Food's good. I, you know, I, I'm not looking for no filet mignons. I'm just ready to hoop. That that made me feel really good. Uh, for sure. Uh, what about you, Lot? Man, my best of the week is the Realville group chat, man. Woo. It got spicy in there all week, boy. <laughs> Listen, it can get spicy in that group chat, boy. And if you ain't on your, your toes, it'll have you mad. Yeah. And it wasn't me. But, oh, it'll have some people pissed off if you're not on your toes, boy. I stay out of certain situations in that group chat because I can lose a friend or two. You know what I'm saying? So uh, <laughs> I like everybody in the group chats. Uh, I was a little late to the party, but I finally watched that kid from Coney Island DVD. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, documentary, not DVD. Hey, you took it back to 2000, yeah, right. <laughs> 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 Had to put the DVD in the PlayStation check it out. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, that's definitely a must-see. If you got an hour and a half, man, sit down and check it out. Stuff, stuff on Barbary Store is more to be told. Most definitely. My best of the week uh, is Mike Beasley, man, back in the building as well, signing with the Nets. He was killing people on tip. Weezy mentioned last week, people are getting signed because of their workout. I think Beasley uh, was a recipient of this, so I'm happy to see my dog back. 
in the league. And he's suspended for the first five games for testing positive for uncontrolled substance. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm just happy to see him back in the league and uh, seeing him doing some work. I have two, if you don't mind. Uh, it happened today. Uh, I am the Realville NBA 2K champion. Yeah, uh, after a long bout uh, with uh, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, went seven games. Uh, I came out victorious, and I, I won. Uh, yeah, for sure. So um, I would like to, you know, just you know, congratulate myself. Wow. And, you know, and uh, uh, we yeah, man, it, it was a hard fought season. Um, you know, was a lot it, of trials, real quick, a lot of trials and tribulations. Uh, wanted to let people know that I am the 2K champion. And just so happened I wore my 2K League shirt. Shout out to 2K. Uh, we're here. And uh, we're looking for a repeat championship uh, coming up soon. Did Worst you really just week. give your own I did. podium yeah. acceptance yeah, speech? I, did. I had to, bro. When, was that, when else was I going to do it? Hey, Shit. Listen. Hey, you you want to tell, hey, you you tell the people listening what your uh, starting lineup is on 2K? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell the people. <laughs> sure, they got to tune in next year. It's going to get worse next year. <laughs> Hell, hell yeah, man. Um, worst of the week, Jeff, what you got? Since you're doing all the capping and talking. I'm going to kind of back off Coach, Coach Lock last week. Uh, the sneakers out, man. I tried a couple of things out this week. Struck out on everything. Not really big into the game like I used to be. I actually won a couple of pairs this week. Didn't get anything, so it is what it is. So back to just bring my eyes and let's call it a day. My worst of the week. Um. The African susus going around, man. The African susus, the underground railroad. Um, I don't think it's a scam. Like you know how that works, right? Like everybody know how it works. It's really yeah. just saving five hundred dollars. That's all you're doing. That's right? it, dog. I don't uh, understand why people don't understand uh, that. Yeah, no, no. Simple math, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> What's your worst of the week, Lock? Man, I'm sitting at the crib a couple nights ago, man. And you know, you're watching TV, you sit there, and then all of a sudden you just start to get a little warm. Man, I look up, my AC done gone out. Hot about it. Man, I went to sleep. It was 83 degrees in the house when I went to sleep. Man, I was so upset. Did you sleep I, next? Listen. <laughs> oh, that ain't a question you ask. Nope, nobody on this platform should be asking me that question. I'm looking out nobody. for you. No, I want you to answer that question. Like, I don't want Listen, you to answer that I, And I'm not, Jeff. Don't worry. I'm not. I'm not going to answer that. But I called the AC man that night. Luckily, he showed up the next morning at 6.30 and got me taken care of. But, man, listen. Shout to him. Whew. For sure. Uh, my worst of the week, <laughs> rookie mistake, man. Uh, I was on a Zoom call, and <laughs> I was uh, talking, and all of a sudden, I, you know, I had to finish my lunch. So <laughs> what I didn't know, I muted my headset but did not mute the computer. Yeah, rookie mistake. So as I was uh, eating my lunch, the entire call heard me chomping on chips, sandwich, everything, cookies. I had a whole damn meal. And But here's the thing. So when I'm eating, I, I, I had like, you know, sandwich stuff on my hands. I didn't grab my phone. So I get a message on Messenger, like, dude, mute your phone. I can hear everything that you're doing. So I have sinus and allergy problems, so I'm on that. 
<clears throat> eating, eating chips, man, bro. I was wilding. And uh, <laughs> just so having one of the homies, man, sent me a message and said, mute your phone. I get to my phone. Uh, I had 10 messages from all my coworkers laughing at me, like, whatever you eat sounds really good. So, yeah, man, rookie mistake, man, had never happened to me. Usually if I just mute the headset, it works. Not today. Not that day, for sure. I'm glad you wasn't watching nothing on TV crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, that could have went ugly. For sure. Man. Yeah, man. Stat of the week, man. <sighs> you guys didn't hear this last week. So, in turn, we're going to bring it back. We have a stat of the week from little Mike. Shout out to Lil Mike for stat of the week. He informed me that one, he was the smartest person um, in the family. Uh, that no shot at anybody on this Zoom call. All right, stat of the week. It takes 3,000 cows to supply the NFL with enough leather for a year's supply of footballs. On top of that, he also came with another stat that informed me that Desmond Howard is the first and only player to win Super Bowl MVP from solely special teams. So shout out to Lil Mike for those stats of the week. Keep them coming. Bryce will be back next week. Bring back Bryce. <laughs> that's a lot of damn cows, I tell you that. Yeah, and that's a lot of beef on, on there. Shout out to Lil Mike, man. Make sure you check us out on iTunes, Facebook, IG, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Beyond Pop. YouTube, and of course the SoundCloud page to catch up on the full archive of past episodes of FSP. How do you do that? Just search for Sport Press Podcast. When you get through doing that, make sure you check out the On Deck TV Hip Hop Podcast with Animal Brown and Spike Loot every Wednesday. Their latest issue is up, the 2010 year review, or 2010 year hip hop, I guess I should say, recap show. Do y'all remember where y'all were and what y'all were doing in 2010? Shaking it. Oh, shaking it today. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Nothing, Nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to talk about. Good time. Great time. Shout out to the guys doing a great job over there at the On Deck TV Hip Hop Podcast. Me and my dog, Animal Brown, fresher than your average podcast, a self-help fashion podcast directly related to improving everyday fashion. We're still working out the kinks on FTYA Fridays. We should be back soon. In the meantime, check out the IG page to make sure you're catching up on everything fashion-related. And more importantly, wear your kicks, cop response. Jeff. Yes, sir. You have 10 good resting seconds. Oh, yeah. yeah Let's yeah, start the clock. All right. So quickly, episode two of the 808s and Chairshot podcast is available right now. Make sure you go check that out. Uh, got Neek. Uh, <laughs> my man Nick DiBiase, as he's been calling me, so um, yeah, we definitely having a good time right now. <laughs> good show, man. And, um, kind of following kind of what we talked about. Uh, WWE dropping the ball on Coleman, but we knew that was happening. And shout out to Keith Lee, though, defeated Adam Cole for the NXT Heavyweight Champion. He is now a double, a double champ. He's the North American Heavyweight Champion and the NXT Heavyweight Champion. If you don't know who Keith Lee is, go look him up. You can see why I'm bringing it up. Shout out to him. Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely shout out to him. Now tweet us with questions throughout the week at Full Sport Press. Don't forget to comment. Give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the YouTube page, on the iTunes page. Please rate and subscribe. But more importantly, don't forget to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell a friend. 
that the revolution will be podcasted. And before we get started with the first half, Wheezy, do you have a yellow box of Cheerios award recipient for the listeners? I do, I do. This week's award recipient is the NFL, the National Football League. It is, 100%. Trading jerseys with a member of the opposing team and handshakes between the two head coaches after the final whistle are two hallmarks of NFL games and neither will exist in 2020 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The jersey swap has risen in popularity over the years, picking up a long-standing tradition that started in the soccer world. In December, it was reported that each uniform top given away costs $500 each play. Here's the thing. The league is telling players that it is unsafe to actually do those jersey swaps and the coaches to shake hands at the end of games. So those are both outlawed for the 2020 season whenever we see that. But you're saying that it's actually safe to play actual football games <laughs> when they're running full speed into each other. But it's and also unsafe to stand within six feet of each other. You're swapping jerseys? Come on, man. Don't add but up. It's, but you can go and fully tackle and grab another human being. Come on, man. Strange Come times we live in here, fellas. Strange Hey, man. Weezy, what'd you, say, what'd you say about now? What'd you say? What's going on? What? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I want to see football, man, so I ain't going to say too much about it. Oh, okay. That wasn't what I was talking about, but... Um, <laughs> what did I say, Dave? You know, I, I blank out. What did I say? It's all okay. The Chiefs and the Houston Texans are scheduled to open the regular season on September the 10th. Good luck to that. We hope that we'll actually see those games. 25 capacity. So we'll see. get that out to the NFL, for sure. It's on the way. It is on the way. Got to get that out for sure. You guys ready to get started with the first half? Yes, sir. Let's, Let's do, it. do it. The first half is underway. Full sport press. First half, the hottest sports in the past week, like you we do each and every week here at the Full Sport Press Podcast. Before we get started, I am Jay Ho. It's your boy, Big Jeff. It's your boy Weezy, what it do? It's your man, Coach Locke. Locke, where can they find you at on social media, my brother? Man, it's the same, Locke underscore the underscore great, S-T-H-A, on IG and Twitter. Sure. What about you, Weezy? I'm F-S-P underscore Weezy on IG, and I'm at how Weezy on Twitter. Holla at me. Holla at you. What about you, Jeff? J-E-Z-A-T-4 across all social media platforms. And I am Jay Hove on Instagram and Twitter. Find me on Twitter. People still commenting about Magic Johnson. They showing me highlights of Magic Johnson. And the highlights that I've seen are of him dribbling a basketball, passing it. Very similar to how White Chocolate passed the ball. So, um, yeah. Keep them coming. Are you still standing strong on that, Jay? When they come in? Yeah, but daddy can't shoot? Yeah. No, but we didn't ever debate that, though. Yeah, and I'm saying, if can, give me a point guard that can't shoot in the NBA right now. They Ray can't John shoot. Rondo. Yeah, Ray John yeah. Rondo. Right, right, right. How good is Ray John Rondo? NBA champion. When he was in his prime, he was an oh, all-star. We don't talk about Ray John Rondo. Sure, we, we are. are. Sure. Sure. Most definitely. Um, <laughs> and uh, Coach Locke got the YouTube.com slash Full Sport Press Podcast giveaway squared away. We'll get that to you guys as soon as possible. Things off with some football, fellas. 
Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. Man, the Chiefs <laughs> and Super Bowl MVP quarterback Pat Mahomes have reached an agreement on a 10-year contract extension. The deal is worth $450 million. It could be up to $503 million. Love that money. Sure. The extension includes a $140 million injury guarantee as well as a no-trade clause with his landmark payout over the next 12 seasons. Mahomes will be the richest value contract in American professional sports. Is Mahomes worthy of this contract? It's well-deserved, man. So we won a Super Bowl in his first two years. He outplayed his contract, number one. And if you think about the years of his contract would be a 10-year contract, he left room to still have a team around him. But he did it the smart way. He took the years and left room in the salary cap each year to build a team around him. So the kid was smart, man. He deserved everything. We all knew he was going to break the bank. You know what I mean? We knew that. So, so on top of that, he, he played it the smart way, played the long game. Man, he deserved every bit of it. I agree, Jeff. He, like you said, he did it the right way by allowing himself to keep weapons around him. Because at the end of the day, as good as he is, if he would have broke the bank yearly early, then you're not going to be able to keep paying your Travis Kelsey, your uh, Tyreek Hills, and all those players and keep those weapons around you. And then whoever his agent is, you got to give kudos to them. Anytime you get a $141 million clause in your contract, because that's the thing with the NFL. It's not guaranteed. It's not baseball where if you sign a $500 million contract that you're guaranteed to get that $500 million no matter what. That's the thing with football. You get hurt, and you might not get that money. So for him to be guaranteed $140 million, if he gets hurt, that's huge for him. But, you know, he did it the right way. I think Patrick Mahomes dropped the ball. Is he worthy of this contract? 100%. I think he blew a golden opportunity to change the structure in the NFL forever. He couldn't have only asked but demanded a fully guaranteed contract. The deal should have been 12 years of guaranteed money. Only 63 million of really fully guaranteed money and maybe 141 barring any injuries. If there was one player that could kind of force the NFL's hand and also the Kansas City Chiefs to give and properly compensate, it was Patrick Mahomes. And no matter the length or terms of what it could have been, it should have been fully guaranteed. You think the Chiefs would have said no? Hell no, they couldn't. And I think he dropped the ball as far as setting up the NFL long term. They gave um, Kirk Cousins what $84 million contract, $100 million contract. I, I don't think they would have gave him the guarantee. He, he has the bargaining chips, but at the end of the day, it's the NFL. I think they would have said, your guarantee is this 140 if you get hurt. That is your guarantee. Am I am am I am I dreaming? Did I hear that he got a hundred million in the first two years? Is that like because his guaranteed money? The sixty three million is guaranteed. That's he's gonna get that in, you know, when he signs the contract or whatever the case may be. But uh, he is, he should have he should have got more guaranteed money. Getting all of it, a hundred percent. What's the boy name? Kirk Cousins did this this summer. I mean, the beginning of the spring. Kirk Cousins signed that contract at the beginning of the spring for eighty four million dollars guaranteed. Eighty four. Kirk Cousins. So his agent did him a disservice. 60% of this contract guaranteed, closer to 70%. He only got, what, 20, 25% of this guarantee. I understand the point of view, and I, and I agree. If you look at it from that standpoint, yeah, I don't think he's going to make it to year 10 of this contract. No one ever does it. Right? That's just this is how it breaks down. He'll be, I believe, 
35 after year 10 when this is over with, or 36. So, no, he won't make it that far. But the reason why I applaud this is because we knew he was going to get the big boy deal. And I think the next crop of quarterbacks who are coming, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, maybe even Dakota in Dallas, they the ones who get now have the bargaining chip now, especially Lamar Jackson because his story lines up with Pat Mahomes. If he can get anything close to the Super Bowl this year in Baltimore, his contract is the one that now, okay, Pat Mahomes is the president, let me build on that, and then we can move, move it that way and be more guaranteed money. Trust me, if they can't give Patrick Mahomes more money guaranteed, Lamar Jackson going to get less than that, 10 times less than that, 100%. Uh, they're gonna pick. They pick Lamar Jackson apart, man. They're gonna they're gonna say he runs too much. He's a high risk of injury. They're gonna pick him apart. I hate that too. There's no way that the NFL teams look at Lamar Jackson the same way as they look at Pat Mahomes, which is unfortunate. But they don't. They just don't. And that's bullshit. But Lamar Jackson has the arm talent to make those make throws, and he has athleticism. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that with Lamar, it's only one team that's got to buy into it. And if Minnesota beat the Kirk Cousins fruit, Lamar Jackson winning MVP, he can he can force Baltimore into, into doing it. I hope. So again, the point. history does not history does not side on my so what I'm saying, Jay. But I'm just saying if you if you play out, I think Lamar Jackson does might have the might have the leverage in the long run. I got you. All right, let's keep it in football and move on to college. So the Ivy League, your Harvard, your Cornell's, your Princeton's, has decided that all fall sports, including college football, not going to be played at an institution in 2020. Uh, if you recall, the Ivy League uh, was the first conference to cancel sports um, during right before Rudy Gobert saved the world. The first time we heard about Corona, uh, right before the NCAA tournament. So they moved their fall sports to possibly starting in 2021. Did you have conferences like the Big Ten and also Weezy's beloved Pac-12 did a similar thing on Friday and said they're moving their fall sports and playing only inter-conference games. They play only league games, if played at all. So guys, are we going to have college football this year or are we just prolonging the inevitable at this point? I think we'll have college football. It'll be only in the Power Five conferences. I don't think we're going to have college football. I think they're going to try to start it, even if they get into the actual practicing before they play the real games, and that's going to cancel it. Because I was going to take this for one player to say he has it. Now they have to cancel it. It seems like every day a different school comes out and says they have 12 players that tested positive for COVID. I just think it's going to be too much. I think this is the first impactful decision regarding college sports returning on us in the fall, very similar to, like Jeff mentioned and Weezy mentioned last week, the Ivy League being um, proactive instead of reactive. You have to look how it impacts everybody else, especially the smaller schools that play money games. Some And most programs, especially HBCUs, rely on these games more than others. And what about a team like Notre Dame? They're not in the conference. They're independent. Canceling the season as far as, like, playing non-conference games gives the NCAA time to kind of figure out how they're going to attack this if the virus dies down. But I think, like everybody else said, they're denying the inevitable, which in turn I think will play football in the spring, not in the fall. Well, speaking of the effects of COVID, Stanford decided they're going to cut 11 sports 
Well, of those sports you ask, men's and win, women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, squash, whatever that is, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and wrestling. Now, they're doing this because the school is predict, projecting a $12 million deficit for the 2021 fiscal year, even with them having a $27 billion endowment. But they are not the only schools to cut sports. You have 56 teams from 19 Division I schools, one being from the ACC, the only Power Five conference, that have been cut across the country. And just recently, Jeff, our team, Florida State, they're making the athletic director and coaches, including the head football and basketball coaches, Mike Nova and Leonard Hamilton, they're going to cut back on their salary because the athletic budget has to be cut by 20%. So not only is this COVID affecting pros, it's affecting college just the same. That put it all in perspective. Like, if you think about it, a school like Stanford, it's, it's an academic school as well. And those sports that are affected, maybe if you subtract wrestling, those sports that are affected are for the kids that are there, you know, for the academia and then having something to do. You know what I mean? And having a, a sport to play, like fencing or things like that. You know what I mean? Like, those, are, those aren't big money sports, but not having your basketball, not having your football, things like that. Um, and, you know, it makes it hard to have a sport like fencing to be played. But then now, on the kind of pivot a little bit, now we see why players are asking for to make money off their likeness. Because you see the impact of losing football for a school really means, right? These players that are there to play football, now you see why they want to be able to make money off their likeness because me not playing is impacting everything in this school. Y'all are paying for everything in this school off of me making a tackle. So that's why I want to be paid. So now if you don't understand why players are talking about that, just look at what's happening right now when you don't have football. If it can happen at Stanford, y'all, it can literally happen anywhere. I mean, Stanford's one of the richest schools in North America, has one of the nation's largest athletic departments, and the contract of all 24 coaches that were affected and 11 of the uh, sports that were honored, they'll be able to keep those scholarships. But what about the teams, or not necessarily the teams, but the schools where, you know, say TSUs or Bethune-Cookmans. Dude, if it can happen at Stanford, it is happening right now at TSU. Those football games mean so much to that athletic department. So with no students on campus, enrollment dipping, and the overall economic downtown, dude, this is a bad place for all college athletics. And then on top of that, you're going to manage – to go with just 25% of the actual people coming into the games because of limited attendance. This might be too much for all athletics, man. And it's going to be rough to see, man. We'll see, but I think we won't see any fall sports. I just think we'll see sports playing at a high level come January, February. It kind of lumped in how things are now with the NBA, the NHL, the MLB. Before we get started with halftime, let's get back into the NFL. Our 49ers running back, Raheem Mostert, is requesting a trade from the 49ers. His agent said the trade request comes from months of unproductive talks, end quote, with the 49ers adjusting his current contract. Mostert is the fourth highest paid running back on the team and scheduled to make a base salary 2.57 and is due $2.8 million in 2021 as part of a three-year contract he signed last year. He signed the contract last year. Anyway, 
Uh, Mostert led the 49ers with 772 rushing yards last season and scored 10 touchdowns. Should my Niners trade our most productive back in 2019-2020? But they, they probably shouldn't trade him. I don't think they should. But like you said, he's the fourth. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of competition on that roster. And I think last year he got lucky from a lot of injuries. I think he knows that. And he wants some more money. And, he, and that's the only way he's going to get it is he get traded. Yeah, you, you're right. We, everything you said is right. He is the fourth on the depth chart, but he's able to do the things that we need him to do. But with that being said, you, you almost have to trade him because he's not going to be happy. And when you're not happy, you're not going to produce the same. You know, it's always going to be a gripe that's going to have things leading to cancer in the locker room. And you get cancer in your locker room, your season is done. So – with him coming off his, this year he had where everybody saw what he could do, this is the best time to trade him because people would actually want him, and then you can get something else for him. So I think we do need to go ahead and trade him. He doesn't like how the talks are going. you got to go ahead and trade him. Uh, well, I'll, I'll do the devil advocate thing here. I think he outplayed the contract. He was, he, he, he was the, most, the best back on our team last year. Came through when you needed him most. <laughs> okay, well, y'all had five of them. Y'all had five star running back. <laughs> so out of the five running backs you had, he was probably – his performance was better. Yeah, great point. He did uh, sign the contract at the end of last – the start of last season. But it's all about leverage. We talk about leverage a lot today. And I think this gentleman knows, as a running back, I only have a short window. And I have the cash in now. It all goes back to my guy, Jalen Rose. You, you hit the nail on the head, Jeff. You never get what you deserve. You only get what you have the leverage to negotiate. This is the leverage that he has. This is the only time he's going to have this leverage, considering the fact that Jerry McKinnon comes back. And he said he wants Tevin Coleman-type money. That's $4.5 million. We're not giving him $4.5 million. We just signed him for two point eight. That's the reason that we sign contracts with people so you can lock him in. So he's worth two point eight. Wait, did he outperform that 2.8? 100%. So I think we should trade him, and I think we should trade him to get maybe a draft pick or package him alongside uh, to get Jamal Adams, something like that. Mm. But if you we do it. that, you know what I'm saying? You package him and, and Jaquiski Tart, boom, there is the trade that we can give for Jamal Adams. I hope and pray that we could do that. But in turn, if we, and then we just signed Devontae Freeman. 2.8. He's going to take that. Let's go home. Or we could package him up and send him to get Fournette. Fournette wants to go. They're trying to trade Fournette. I'll take Fournette right now. Oh, God. He's, he played, you played too much Madden. He's been playing too much Madden. Though. I'm just saying. He yeah, wants to be traded. By all means, here we go. This is it. And Fournette, with our offensive line, he's Come on, kill. man. He's going to kill. It's a kill. good change of pace back. Him. Seven Coleman, Jerry McKinnon. We already got rid of Matt Breeden. I don't think kids going to grow up want to play running back no more. Nah, quarterback. Quarterback, mm -hmm. wide receiver. Hey, the quarterback. Quarterback. They, they treat you like you're dispensable as a running back. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. The same way to a quarterback. You only get $141 million out of 50, out of You're supposed to get $500 million. Bullshit. A running back would jump off a cliff right now for $141 million. They ain't sniffing that. Even the best ones ain't sniffing that. Guaranteed. <laughs> You guys ready to get started with halftime? You know they're going to get hurt. Yes, sir. Yeah. We're at the midway point. Enjoy all of the halftime festivities. Halftime. In case you missed it, K 
Kevin Durant, man, since signing with Golden State, Kevin Durant became a major investor in a lot of startups. Durant, Rich Kleiman's company, 35 Ventures, has $15 million tied up into at least 40 startups. One of those investments, Postmates, looks like it may pay off in the right way. In 2016, Durant invested in Postmates, the delivery food app. Earlier in the week, Uber acquired Postmates for over $2.6 billion. Durant got in at a super low price point of $1 million. His stake was going to be right around $15.5 million. Probably the best move of his career is moving to Silicon Valley. I think this transition to Brooklyn, he'll try to find some ways to put some other uh, investments and some, some things out that way. How you guys feel about KD turning a million into 15? Shh. Man, did it the right way. Sheesh. Some of the easiest money he ever made. That's easy we next, y'all. We next. We got some, we got some brewing, too. We next. I know something. Yeah, I'll, I'll, let me know. He said he knows something. Hey, for sure, <laughs> right. let me know. So fly hey, me a yeah, kite. Right. Yeah. It ain't, it ain't, the, the, su- su- you know ain't the susu either, but I know. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, <laughs> damn, damn susu. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't answer. <laughs> I don't call yeah, for no susu. Nah, yeah. You're going to be on your own with that one. I, I, I can say my own 500. I'm good. <laughs> and here's the thing, though. With him and Rich Climbing investing $15 million into 40 startups, they've already made their money back from that $15 million. And I'm sure, you know, he's invested in other things that's been profit as well. So the best decision in his life was to go to Silicon Valley, man. I'm telling you, man. He shouldn't have never left. He could do, do the same thing in New York. Got to work a little harder for it because a lot of startups are based in uh, San Francisco, Golden State, Oakland area. Here's the thing, though. You do that, you learn the game there, and you take it somewhere. So he could do it in Brooklyn for sure. For sure. You guys are ready to get started the second half. Yes, sir. Let's get it. The second half is underway. Full sport press. Second half. Ten unheralded college basketball players who became NBA stars. Before we get started, I am J-Ho. It's your boy, Big Jeff. It's your boy, Weezy. What it do? It's your man, Coach Locke. We did this for the NFL. Uh Uh-oh. Tough to do. We did it. And we're back with a sport that me, Jeff, and Locke love. We's not excited about this one. But there's a lot of talk about great college players who made their name in the NBA, but there are equal number of players who kind of did the opposite. For various reasons, they thrive in the NBA, but never made as much of a mark as they did as college players. Many of these guys were simply too young to be good yet. Others have styles of play that made a little bit more sense for an NBA team and some possibly were poorly utilized during their college years by their college coaches. Whatever the reason may be, these are 10 active NBA players that are better in the NBA than they were in college. We'll start off with Jeff's favorite center in the entire NBA, Hassan Whiteside. What <laughs> held Hassan Whiteside back in college, Jeff? I wouldn't say he's my favorite center, but he's out there. Uh, my favorite center is actually going to be talked about a little bit later on in, in this process. But no, um, Hassan Whiteside, man, I think he just took bad advice. Like, he needed a little more than just that freshman year. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, he, he, he had, he topped in, he had the most blocked shots in his conference. He had three triple doubles that season. Um, he broke the record for most blocks in the season for the conference USA, I should say. So he was, you know, he put up numbers. 
but just leaving school um, as a freshman, he bounced around the G League. We were at the G League now, but bounced around with his college G League. He needed some better advice. He should have stayed in school, rounded his game off a little bit, and we would have seen Hassan Wasai being one of those top lottery picks. He came out the, when he came out. It was more. It was one of those things where like he had the tournament where he had all those block shots and shit, and he's like, "I gotta go. He gotta go get the money." He was a freshman. He had to go get the money. I think it's one of Jay's boys too. Back, then. I think he he felt like he called that player. He grew up in the NBA. He grew up, and he's in Miami, hanging out. He grew up in Miami too. Well, he's not in Miami more no more. He's in Portland. Yeah, Portland. Well, he was in Miami. He grew up. In, he was in Miami. <laughs> I definitely. I see him in Miami. Oh, um, but yeah, I'm done now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just gonna piggyback off what y'all said, man, because y'all y'all hit the, the nail on the, the head, as they like to say. The one thing that did help him go though was he was projected as a lottery pick after that that NCAA term he had, or I mean, the year he had. I'm sorry, he was projected to be a lottery pick, but fell to the second round. Um, you know, it was said that he had a uh, ADD. And he denied that for a while. So that mixed in together, it was just a bad sequence for him right through that time. And, you know, he kind of got sent home, actually, after two years. They got rid of him. And then, luckily, he got it together. And like we mentioned, he wound up getting to Miami and turning into the player that they thought he could be. And that's one of those situations where he's just a better fit with the NBA where there's no help side. And the thing is with Whiteside, he was top 20 coming out of high school. So Whiteside shouldn't have took his ass to Marshall, Tulane, wherever the hell he played at anyway. But in turn, we know why he went to Marshall. So no reason to even speak on that. But him getting into the NBA and finding his groove, he's one of the most disrespected, underrated centers in the entire NBA. Never earned a first-team all-league defense. Led the league in blocks two years, rebounds. He's never mentioned in the top of, you know, the your Rudy Gobert's. Never mentioned against those guys, the rim runners. But Hassan Whiteside is a really great player. And I think the thing that he – the reason they didn't get that respect is because of the way that he plays around and doesn't take the game seriously. Well, people think that. But in turn, uh, he's a really good player. And hell, he's getting robbed this year. He's top five, number one in blocks, second in rebounds. Nobody's talking about Hassan Whiteside as a defensive player of the year. You hear AD. Hassan Whiteside should have at least won, maybe one, maybe two defensive player of the year for sure. You know what helped him too, though? Jay, you say this all the time. He took that trip to Walgreens and get that pitch to for that passport and then snap it hey. back into reality. <laughs> hey, you go over there. I see OJ Mayo. He went to Walgreens this summer. Yeah. Went over there to China. He over yeah. there cooking. He'll never play in the NBA again. But yeah. sometimes you need to go back over there and figure out why you love the game for basketball. Man, if it's something that you can do professionally, for sure. Humble. Humble that still. Hell yeah. No, for sure. Let's move on to number two, Rajon Rondo. Kentucky Wildcats. Went 21st overall in 2006. Like, I'll let you kick off things with Rondo. Rondo, man, he, he's one of those players where, you know, he was highly recruited. That's why he was at Kentucky. Um, but one thing about Rondo is, which still holds, he can't really shoot, you know. Uh, and in college, we know there's a lot of zone. So you have a point guard that can't shoot, you know, we're going to zone him up. 
so that's going to hurt his game because he can't get into the paint and do the things that he likes to do because he's a great passer. You know, in open court, he's great. I believe that was Tubby's last year. So, you know, he, he didn't have the players that you see at Kentucky now. He had some players with him, but it wasn't like the players that Calipari was getting in Kentucky. Uh, so when he got to the NBA, you know, it changed. It's more open, run a gun game where he can create easier. In his prime years, you're talking about he averaged 10 to 13 points and 8 to 11 assists. You got to think about it, too. Like, that wasn't, like Coach said, that wasn't Calipari's Kentucky. That wasn't Rick Pitino's Kentucky. It was that stopgap for Tubby Smith, arguably the best high school basketball team ever. They can get on the old year, quite possible. Um, he going to play with Tubby Smith with that, with that slow down, half court style. That ain't him. He want to push the ball. It, it works in college. Not like he wanted to, anyway. He played in that system, a bunch of running sets. Because I remember seeing him play Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt beat the crap out of that team, too. Who would have beat the crap out of that, that, that uh, Kentucky team uh, back in the day, 2006? But Rondo Rondo was a gifted. He was a coach on the floor, too, in college. He carried that team in Boston. So he, he had a spot in the NBA. It's just the game changed on him, though. And, boy, did it change. Just like it would change on Magic Johnson. He looked like oh. a short Rajon Rondo with no defense. But here's the thing. With Rondo, I think you guys basically have said it. You know, he was not interested in playing around players like how he did with Kentucky and Toby Smith that weren't good. He did not have teammates. So, in turn, he fell late in the draft and falls into a perfect situation in Boston. Three Hall of Famers, one Hall of Fame coach. He was the fifth starter on a loaded Boston team and found his way as a starting point guard on that team and like Weezy said, the leader of the team, the point guard, because why? He's playing with better players. Some players look better in situations where they're around better players, and some people need to be on teams where they're the best player. So he might be a Hall of Famer, y'all. Very possible. And we can't, we can't forget about Rondo. In the NBA, he plays exceptional defense when he came in the league. He played really, really good defense, and that you can't coach that. Move on to our third person, Russell Westbrook, UCLA Bruins, man. I will let Jeff serenade his favorite basketball player. I'm going to keep it, you know, keep it, keep it light. I'm not going to do what I normally do, but sometimes we forget how good Russ really was in college. Like, that team was loaded. Him, Kevin Love, they went to they – they lost to Memphis in the Final Four. You know, could have made – could have won the best championship in sophomore year. I think he won a starting job over Nick Collison. Pac-10 defensive player of the year as a sophomore. Boy, had them clamps. Still do got the clamps. Where did the clamps go? <laughs> in college, he was a, he did what was asked of him in college, to be a spark on offense and to play defense. He has an explosiveness that you can't teach, and that was always been there. But he did one thing in college that he didn't do in the NBA. He stopped playing defense. He went to OKC. Well, Seattle first. But he went to OKC. And he played with Kevin Durant and James Harden. Prolific scores. I'm not going to play no more defense. I'm just going to score the ball. Like, it's one of them games where he takes it personal. He'll guard for a few possessions, but then he just won't do it the whole game. But the thing that held him back in college was that the offense wasn't centered around him. Like you mentioned, he had all those players there. Uh, and they had him playing two guard a lot, which is – that's not his position. He's a point guard. He needs the ball in his hands to be the player that he is because he can't shoot. You can't be a two guard and you can't shoot. It just is what it is. Uh, Russell, you Thaddeus Westbrook. He's a late bloomer of a basketball player. 
And I think he developed as he got older, where we see a lot of players do. And on top of that, man, you're playing with KD. You get James Harden a year after that. You are around players that really take the game serious. And I think that helped Russ's game blossom. He has three points freshman in college, 12 points as a sophomore. Not saying that he, you know, with that team, Kevin Love was the best player on that team. So the offense ran through Kevin Love because he went fourth overall. Better get better in NBA year top five pick. So, um, but yeah, now he definitely got better. The defense just left. Never played defense as soon as he got drafted fourth overall. Defense went out the door. No first team, not second team, not third team. People, you mentioned Russell Westbrook. Defense is the last thing that you'll say. Intensity, explosiveness, a triple double, hundred percent. Defense, 11. Let's move on to the number four player, Jimmy Butler, Marquette. He's the last pick, first round in 2011. Weez, you want to talk about Jimmy Butler? You want to kick it a lot? Go ahead, Lock. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Jimmy Butler, is, he is the definition of late bloomer and hard worker. You got to realize, Jimmy Butler went to junior college for one year. He didn't go to Marquette straight out of high school. Uh, and he wasn't a really strong offensive player back then. You know, he was more of a defender. He wound up averaging almost 16 points the, the last year he was there at Marquette, but he didn't look like Jimmy Butler that he does now. When you mention Jimmy Butler NBA, you're talking about one of the best two-way players in the league. He's going to lock you up on one end, and then he can score on the other end. So Jimmy Butler is just hard work. Sure, he got out of a team last year because he wanted more money. He beat the whole damn team on one-on-one. He beat the whole squad. We ain't never seen the tape on that yet, but he beat the whole squad. And then he wanted to fight him. Come on, Nobody man. denies it either, though. So we, don't, we ain't seen the tape, but nobody denies what happened in their purpose, which makes it even funnier. And then playing for Thibodeau in Chicago, who bought the best out of him. Perfect situation for Jimmy Butler. To me, that's, that's it worked out very well for him. Yeah, man. Just like Jeff said, the perfect coach, the perfect situation. Coming to Chicago, hard-nosed coach, hard-nosed player. Jimmy just didn't realized how good he could be until he got to Derrick Rose's team. It was him. It was Luau Dang, Joe Kim Noah, one of the best two-way basketball players in the entire NBA. Next year, they're going to get uh, Victor Oladipo down there in Miami and really call hysteria in the Eastern Conference for sure. Move right along to Jeff's favorite player, the one and the only, playoff Paul George, Fresno State. What held Paul George back in college, Coach Locke? He's a definition of late bloomer. Because you think about it, he averaged 17 and 7 his last year as a senior. He's just one of those people that it just took him all four years to get it. You know, and sometimes that happens. Everybody's not a one and done. Everybody can't go two years and they figure it out. You don't see too many players like him that go that you say play all four years in college. Most of the time when you have players of, that are MVP caliber like that in the NBA, they didn't, especially now, they didn't play four years in college. He's just a late bloomer, and he started to figure out, kept working on his game, and now he's in the same boat as Jimmy Butler, one of the best two-way players that is in the league. He'll lock you up on one end and then give you buckets on offense. Uh, if he went to anywhere in the SEC, you know, and being 16 and not doing that good, he, he would have transferred. But I think it was a blessing for him going to Fresno State. He had to stay with the same coach, same team, and grow with them and to become the player that he is now in the NBA. Killer. But if I'm a coach, if I'm a coach at a mid-major right now, I have Paul. Like when I go on recruiting missions and recruiting this, I bring Paul George's story with me. Like 
he's who you want. He's a player who you coach in the mid-major. You go get players like him. You can keep them on for one, two, three, four years, and you can mold them into the player they're going to be and then put them in the NBA. Just talk to a family and say, look, I can keep your son for four years and get him where you want him to go. I refuse to believe somebody continues. They, they scouted him as a freshman coming in the Fresno, coming in the Fresno, coming out of high school, I can say, and say, this kid's going to be arguably top seven player in the NBA. Nobody would have thought it. He didn't really get to hone that skill until he saw a person that he could be. And he turned himself into Danny Granger by following and seeing Danny Granger play every day. Who's an all-star? Who's one of the greatest offensive players in that conference? He was, dude, Danny Granger offensively, he averaged 25 points in the game a year, bro. Two straight years. Paul George, was he saw that every day. Here's the thing with Danny Granger. He just didn't play a lick of defense. Paul George had the ability to say, hey, I can still go out and get my 20 points a game, and I can play a little defense too. He's Danny Granger with a handle and defense, man. And the best thing that happened to him, which was basically probably the worst thing, was him breaking his foot in the Olympics. Broke his foot. He said that he focused in on becoming a better shooter. So in turn, that's all he had to do, just focus in on shooting. And he turned himself into a shooter on top of the handle that he had and with the defense, man. So. Paul George, one of my favorite players in the league, and uh, I just wish he was in a situation where he got the credit he deserves, but he's never going to get that because he played behind Russ. Russ, you know, and then he, then he believed in Russ, then he left Russ, now he's playing with Kawhi. And he's, it's always going to be Kawhi. It's never going to be Paul George. I do you one better. He went to Russ, and then Dame Lillard happened. Oh, man. You know what, let's move right along to DeAndre Jordan. Texas A&M, he went 35th overall in the 2008 draft. What held him back in college? Wrong system and didn't stay long enough. You know, he, he averaged 8.6 rebounds and 1.3 blocks at Texas A&M. Uh, it wasn't a good fit for him. And he's one of those players where he needed to stay in college and develop his game. And, and it showed when he got to the NBA because he had no offensive moves. None at all. Only way he was scoring is tip dunks, lobs. In the NBA right now, it's not too many of those anyway at the center position, but those are the things that you get staying in college like Paul George did. He gave himself time to develop. Now, I don't think he should have gone to Texas A&M in the first place, uh, but now he gets to the NBA, gets drafted late, but the best thing that happened to him is the point guard CP3. Mm-hmm. He's playing alone, Blake Griffin, and then you have one of the best point guards ever running the show and creating and making it easy for him. Playing alone, Chris Paul, we've seen Chris Paul make bigs and get them paid, and this is what happened with DeAndre Jordan. But the best thing ever happened to him in the NBA, he needs to put Chris Paul in his wheel somewhere. When it comes to DeAndre, man, he was emotional in college. Like he, he, he didn't really put it all together. He, didn't, he wanted to go to Texas Bay and play for another coach, and the coach left. You know, before he started, that kind of played into it. And, you know, he had some breakdowns on the court, didn't join a couple of huddles, didn't join a couple of meetings. So, you know, that, that, that's going to hold you back in college. You're going to make professional teams look, look away from you. But Jack, everything I said about CP3, you know, being his wheel <laughs> and getting him paid, absolutely. Yeah, like Jeff mentioned, Mark Turgeon just didn't know what the hell to do with DeAndre Jordan. He was a McDonald's All-American, Jordan Brand All-American, all of the All-Americans you could get. And he only averaged eight points a game. Those are numbers 
that you send to somebody that's going to Walgreens or going to play in Turkey the next year. The best thing that happened to him was getting drafted with the Clippers and playing with the point guard that's got more people paid than Jay-Z got people paid in, in, the, uh, in the rap game. CP, man, Tyson Chandler, Blake Griffin. He had David West looking like damn Carl Malone, dog. His pick and pop. He came out and said, man, a lot of those lobs that I'm throwing to him and Blake, those are supposed to be turnovers. Those boys are going to get those lobs, man. So it's all about a fit, and the Clippers were the correct fit for a player like DeAndre Jordan, man. He's blessed for sure, and he definitely needs to send CP a little bit more bread. Move right along to Clay Thompson, the 11th overall pick in the 2011 draft. And he's been in the league nine years. That's nuts. Um, what held him back in college, Jeff? Um, I was looking into this because I wasn't really up on Clay in college, but I felt like everything was cool up until like right the last, like right when he was going to go into the last term that he had. He played three years. He was a solid defender. Um, of course, he had the trade ball. He had the, the textbook jump shot, all that. But <laughs> right before the right before the, um, uh, the NCAA tournament, he got arrested for, for some weed. So that that held over his head for Clay Thompson. So let that sink in. He was a three season starter in college when he had the weed charge. He got with Steph, and the way he played is the way the league went. And that history has been said ever since. Yeah, I agree with Jeff. He he couldn't he couldn't have went to a better place in the NBA. He couldn't have went. He got Steph over there wide open, and all and then you got and you got Clay wide open. And all they had to do was just stand in and shoot. You didn't have to put the ball on the floor. Clay got them clamps to this day. He had the clamps in college, too, which people don't realize. Like, I got Locke over there standing wide open, and I'm over here. They can't guard both of us. They can't guard both of us. You self-check, though, Weez. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Check ball. Whenever you want to do it. Because it's self-check. These are one of the guys that I, I didn't really think was so much held back in college. Because you got to think about it. He averaged 21 his last year. So he, he just kept doing what he did. But like Jeff mentioned, it couldn't get no better for him in the NBA. Perfect system. It's a shooting game now. That's what everybody wants to do. And he has one of the purest shots in the NBA, purest shots ever. There's never We've never seen a better backcourt that can shoot better than those two guys ever in the NBA. I mean, and on top of that, his dad was number one pick in the draft too. So he has some good pedigree going into things. But it's, you know, and we got to give Mark Jackson a lot of this credit too. He got the – he saw – a lot in Klay Thompson, just like he saw in Draymond Green. And getting those guys to put that team together and Klay Thompson, you know, getting to a situation where he is the player that he is now, nobody thought Klay Thompson would be this good. They assumed he may be like how Cam Johnson is now or another, you know, stand still shooter, Mikael Bridges, things of that nature. Klay Thompson will be a Hall of Famer now. And he was first-team all-defense, second-team all-defense last year. So, on top of that, he's strapping up too, man. So, I didn't know that he was on the weed in college too. That's crazy. That was a great find. I didn't know yeah, I, I didn't that. know that either. I missed okay. that one. The way he drink beer, I let you know he smoked weed for sure. Um, let's move right along to Cal Lowry, 2006 first-round pick, 24th overall. What held him back in college, Coach Lock? Kyle Lowry, man, he went to Villanova. You know, he averaged 11 points, 3.7 assists. 
Uh, second team out Big East, they finished third nationally, won the Big East, lost in Elite Eight to the Gators eventually, the eventual champions. Um, he was just one of those guys, like he only spent two years there, started to figure out his game once he got the NBA and got and he because he bounced around the NBA for a while. It's let's just not act like he became the Kyle Lowry that we see now early in his career. He just finally got with the right system in Toronto. You know, he kept working on his game and he blossomed and figured it out. Yeah, my only thing with Kyle Lowry is like playing at playing at Villanova, he played beside another great player though. What we talk about though is how he became a college player. He played with Randy Foyer. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. In college, yeah. He always needed a crutch, is what I'm saying. Well, <laughs> he always needed a crutch. I think one thing about Kyle Lowry is he's one of those players who gets a bad route because you, he wasn't a one and done. Like, like Clay Thompson wasn't one and done. Paul George wasn't a one and done. A lot of players we mentioned stayed multiple years, even though they ended up being all star kind of players. So. To to us on the outside, we look at it. Oh, he played two, three years in college. Like he he, was, he couldn't have been that nice. Now you're able to see what type of player he is. Because I mean, if you look at his stat lines in college, you know, he was 11 points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals. That's who he was. That's who he still is right now. He's gonna get you some points. He's gonna fill the stat sheet for you. Everything that Kyle Lowry does, he's improved. He's a better scorer. He's a better defender. He's a better passer. The game. He just had to find his game and his fit in the NBA. So him going to Memphis, him going to uh, the Rockets, then finally finding his home in Toronto, he had to figure it out, man. But since he's been in Toronto, he's for his career averaged 18 and 7. Dude, that is totally different the way he played in college. So it's all about confidence and the team depending on you to make big shots. And he makes big shots all throughout the regular season. So we used to answer the question, yes, he depends on that superstar to help him out in the playoffs, for sure. Let's move right along to Steven Adams from Pitt, 13th overall in 2013. Jeff, why wasn't he heralded when he came out of college? Um, I think one of the things that people held against Steven Adams was his journey. He wasn't a traditional high school player, AAU, go to college, dominate a year. And then go pro. I mean, he was professional. He's from New Zealand, but he got drafted and he played with two great point guards. And that's what helped his career right now. He's ha- he's having his best year as a pro this year with Chris Paul. Just like every center in the NBA is having their best years with Chris Paul. Okay, that's fine. But he's gotten better every year statistically. Every year. He's gotten more rebounds, more assists, more blocks every year. He should be an all-star, I don't believe in that. Steven Adams should be an all-star in next year. He's another one of these guys, another late bloomer. Um, you know, he only played in college that one year at Pitt. Uh, and, you know, it took him a while to figure it out. But uh, I believe that it, it, it Chris Paul really put him over the top. With the NBA, you look at the players, you look at your best players, their confidence is through the roof. And Chris Paul helped him get that. Let's move okay. right along to our final member of this heralded 10 players that became better once they got in the NBA. And this person is Chris Middleton, Texas A&M, went 39th overall in 2012. What held him back in college, Coach Lott? They didn't win a lot, you know. And so when you're at a school where you're not winning a lot, that's going to affect you 
you know, he only averaged 13 points a game, five rebounds. He was second team out of Big 12, but they only played an NCAA tournament once while he was there. Um, so that's going to make him slip in the draft, of course. And then with the NBA, what helped him improve is Giannis. You know, you start playing with a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's taking all the pressure off of you. He's allowing you to develop, and we've seen Chris Middleton become the player that he is ever since Giannis Antetokounmpo got there. Because before that, they were saying that we don't – I wouldn't have been surprised if Middleton wouldn't have stayed in Milwaukee if you don't see Giannis go because he wasn't panning out like they thought he was. I agree, man. Uh, I agree. Playing, playing, playing NBA, playing with Giannis takes so much pressure off of um, Chris Middleton. I mean – the only the only NBA player I think the superstar that it's hard to play with that you don't get I mean for some reason don't ever work out is LeBron James itself unless you're Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosh everybody else it just I don't know why I didn't work with my boy but anyways but he got a big boy contract if I'm not if I'm not uh, mistaken yeah Chris Middleton got 150 million dollars goodness gracious and the thing is, I think the Detroit Pistons dropped the ball with this kid him and Spencer Dinwiddie they dropped the ball and not letting these players, like, develop. But they took their time with Stanley Johnson. They took their time uh, with some of their younger players, Darko Milicic. It's a bunch of players. The Pistons totally held on too long and gave up on him and Spencer Dinwiddie way too early. And both, oh, one's an all-star, and Spencer Dinwiddie would have been an all-star. The thing is, it's just opportunities, man. He was in a perfect opportunity in Milwaukee, took advantage of it, kicked the door in. And on top of that, you're getting to play with the MVP who's – Ten double and triple teams, man. We kept you guys a little long today. We we could have had fifteen players on this list, but man, that would have took us two hours. So, um, <laughs> more than anything, man, that was always fun. Kind of deciding we're gonna do our NBA misses in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> got some misses. <laughs> we don't want to do the misses. We got some missing. <laughs> you got more than anybody. And... <laughs> <laughs> ah! Oh, man, I got more than anybody. That's funny, Reese. Uh, tweet us with questions throughout the week at Full Sport Press, man. Don't forget to comment. Give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the YouTube page, on the iTunes page. Please rate and subscribe. But more importantly, don't forget to tell a friend. To tell a friend. Tell a friend. To tell a friend. Weezy. Everything paid for, baby. Coach Lock. Get a drummer song. Jeff. Camera's always on, brother. Damn right. We never fail to see the mazes every week. Yeah, we figured that out again this week. And the revolution will be podcasted. Fellas, we are out. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Thank you for listening to the Full Sport Press Podcast. To catch up on prior episodes, visit the SoundCloud page. And don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend. The revolution will be podcasted.